Spoiler alert, this podcast will cover events in the most recent aired episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. If you have not seen that episode yet, you may wish to avoid this podcast until you have. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Here's your host, Matt Murdock. Hey there, and welcome to Podcast Winterfell. It's episode 296 of the podcast, another pre-recorded, TV-only friendly look at some of the characters of Game of Thrones. And this week we are looking at Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen in part one of How to Train Your Daenerys. My name is Matt Murdock, and I am from PodcastWinterfell.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find social media and contact links. You can find podcast app links. And if you could take the time to leave me a written review on whatever podcast app you use, I would very much appreciate it. It helps me stay more noticeable among the other Game of Thrones podcasts, and it helps me know what you like or dislike about this podcast, and it includes you in contests like the one we just had recently, which concluded on October 4th. Anyone who has left a review in the past, um, you don't have to do it just during the contest time. You're included in whatever kind of things I like to give away, which are usually Game of Thrones related. And I guess, really, that's enough about the podcast. We'll just move right in to talking about Daenerys Targaryen, How to Train Your Daenerys. Daenerys Targaryen, also known as Stormborn, is now the only surviving child of King Aerys II, often referred to, of course, as the Mad King. During Robert's rebellion, she was born on Dragonstone, and then she and her brother Viserys were whisked away to safety in Essos after the fall of the Targaryen reign. Not a whole lot about her childhood has been revealed in the television show, but we can draw from her interactions with her brother, that she was generally treated in a very demeaning and subservient manner as they grew older. At some point, presumably about a year before we first see Viserys and Daenerys Targaryen, they were taken in by Illyrio Mopatis of Pentos, and Viserys has started to make a plan to take back the Iron Throne from the usurper and a man who defeated his father Ares, Robert Baratheon. The HBO Game of Thrones guide tells us that Daenerys and her brother are children of an incestuous marriage between Ares and his sister Rayla. There is a saying about the children of such a marriage in Westeros, as discussed by Tyrion and Cersei in regards to her own children in season two of the television show. Sometimes I wonder... What? If this is the price... For what we've done. For our sins. Sins? The Targaryens... Wed brother and sister for hundreds of years, I know. It's what Jamie and I would say to each other in our moments of doubt. It's what I told Ned Stark when he was stupid enough to confront me. Half the Targaryens went mad, didn't they? What's the saying? Every time a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin. (laughs) And as we saw Viserys treat Danny in the way that he did when we first meet them, and until his death in A Golden Crown, we can see evidence of at very least a monstrous behavior and attitudes within Viserys. 
We've also seen Danny at times go to some extreme measures of punishment and tactics, such as crucifying slave masters and subjecting the family members to dragons. However, we have also seen Danny accept counsel from others urging restraint at times, something that her brother seems to refuse, often when offered. We've heard stories of Daenerys' older brother, Rhaegar, kidnapping and raping Lyanna Stark, but at the same time, we've heard stories of his nobility and his love of the people of Westeros and their love of him. So, there's really no clear coin flip for Rhaegar, only conflicting stories, and even while of the three children it would seem that Viserys may have been the one to stray closest to madness, there is still no clear side of the coin showing for Daenerys as of yet. Remember that Ares himself, however, according to the history and lore sections of the Blu-rays, is said to have ruled peacefully and with prosperity for all of the Seven Kingdoms in the first 20 years of his reign, before seemingly to turn to these wildfire dreams and suspicion. As for Viserys, our first impression of his thoughts about Daenerys herself is that she is a sister who he has perhaps raped, perhaps not, but clearly thinks of her as nothing more than property, to be sold in exchange for an army. And it is this act of selling Daenerys to Khal Drogo of the Dothraki that Danny's eyes are truly open to some of the cruelties of all of the world, not just the possible cruelties of her brother. Cruelties such as slavery and confirmation that misogyny isn't just a trait of her brother's. She is raped by her husband on her wedding night, in fact. But some good things do come out of that ceremony itself. She is given three dragon eggs by Illyrio Mopatis and meets someone who is not yet a true friend to her, but eventually becomes one of her staunchest allies, Jorah Mormont of Bear Island. And not unlike the advice Cersei gives to Sansa in the Battle of the Blackwater, with the help of a Lysini slave Doria, she learns to use the weapon between her legs on Khal Drogo. And in the queerest of events, the two seem to come to actually love one another until, of course, Drogo's fateful demise, exhibiting some kind of Stockholm Syndrome-esque situation is the best I suppose we could describe it. But the love between the Kal and Danny also teaches a lesson to Daenerys about individual treachery, which she carries with her from then on when Miri Mazdur's cures seem to be inspired from a position of animosity instead of caring. So, slavery, the treatment of women, betrayal, cruelty, these are all things that shape the leader Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen within the first season, and themes that will test her throughout the entire run of the series to date. Since much of the Dothraki language is used during the first season as opposed to English, clips are somewhat difficult to gather in order to make sense of what we see in season one, for an audio podcast, but some of the more poignant effects it has on Daenerys can be demonstrated. Drogo, a brute and a savage, was perhaps somehow tamed by Daenerys during their time together, perhaps foreshadowing the taming of the beast aspect in regards to Daenerys and the dragons themselves. But even if he had survived, it is difficult to say whether once Arriving in the Seven Kingdoms, he would have done nothing more than to destroy the realms that Daenerys wanted to return to so badly. On top of that, the looming threats of Viserys up until Drogo killed him seemed to make it impossible for her to conceive such aspirations for the Iron Throne herself. And, of course, once Drogo was unable to ride a horse, many of his Dothraki horde deserted him. We cannot discount, however, that the savagery would have been extremely perilous to Daenerys in season six when she was taken by another Dothraki horde. Had she not been a former Khaleesi, she surely would have been raped repeatedly and made a slave, or worse, killed. And because of her being saved, she was able to bring multiple Dothraki armies to her cause in Vaisdothrak. So, despite the treachery and the savagery of the Dothraki calls and the blood riders during season one, ultimately the experience did have a payoff for her, at least to date. The question, of course, remains that once Danny does arrive in Westeros with these armies, will they also merely destroy the land she is trying to rule? But those are questions, of course, for Season 7, and right now we have to take a look at Season 1. 
First, her brother Viserys. Whether you consider him mad or not, there is no disputing his cruelty. Body now. I need you to be perfect today. Can you do that for me? You don't want to wake the dragon, do you? No. When they write the history of my reign, sweet sister, they will say it began today. My apologies if I've given offence. I know how to play a man like Drogo. I give him a queen, and he gives me an army. I don't want to be his queen. I want to go home. So do I. I want us both to go home. But they took it from us. So tell me, sweet sister, how do we go home? I don't know. We go home with an army. With Khal Drogo's army. Who are my people? The Targaryens. I only knew one, my brother, and he would have let a thousand men rape me if it had got him the crown. You give commands to me. To me. You do not command the dragon. I am lord of the Seven Kingdoms. I don't take orders from savages or their sluts. Do you hear me? Rakaro asks if you want him dead, Khaleesi. No! Yeah. Rakaro says you should take ear to teach respect. Please, please don't hurt him. Tell him I don't want my brother harmed. Khaleesi was Salomem and Nem Asiza. Chefki. Almost kill these Dothraki dogs. I am your king. Shall we return to the Kalisar, Kalisi? You sent this whore to give me commands. I should have sent you back her head. Forgive me, Khaleesi, but it is your... Hush now, it's all right. Why did you hit her? How many times do I have to tell you? You do not command I me. I wasn't commanding you. I just wanted to invite you to supper. What's this? It's a gift. I had it made for you. Dothraki rags. Are you going to dress me now? Please. But this stinks of manure. All of it. Stop. You would it. turn me into one of them, wouldn't you? Next I want to braid my hair. You've no right to a braid. You've won no victories yet. You do not talk back to me. You are a horse lord slut. And now you've woken the dragon. I am a Khaleesi of the Dothraki. I am the wife of the great Carl, and I carry his son inside me. The next time you raise a hand to me will be the last time you have hands. I want what I came for. I want the crown he promised me. He bought you, but he never paid for you. Tell him I want what was bargained for, or I'm taking you back. He can keep the baby. I'll cut it out and leave it for him. What's he saying? He says yes. You shall have a golden crown that men shall tremble to behold. Look away, Khaleesi. No. 
Danny. Danny, tell them. Make them. Make them. No, you can't. You... Just... Danny, please! A crown for king. There is no dragon. Fire cannot kill a dragon. So already we see that Danny realizes the potential of her bloodline as opposed to Viserys. She is able to withstand heat, of course, but she doesn't withdraw from seeing her brother killed either. So we might ask if this is just as monstrous to allow a family member to be killed in such a way. Remember, however, that Danny's baby was threatened by Viserys, and a mother's ferocity is a theme presented throughout many of the female characters in this show, and I can think of at least Cersei and Catelyn in that regards. Another realization comes to Danny early on, using her position of power to end slavery. First, by using her right as a Khaleesi to claim slaves, such as Mary Mazdur, and then, of course, later to free a slave army from Astapor, and to have that army help her to free more slaves in Yonkai and Marine. She is also confronted with the fact that a man she is growing to trust was involved in the slave trade himself for a short period of time during Season 1. Did the Dothraki buy their slaves? The Dothraki don't believe in money. Most of their slaves were given to them as gifts. From whom? If you rule a city and you see the horde approaching, you have two choices, pay tribute or fight. An easy choice for most. Of course, sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes a Carl feels insulted by the number of slaves he's given. He might think the men too weak or the women too ugly. Sometimes a Carl decides his riders haven't had a good fight in months and need the practice. Gosh, goi, goi, dear, Tell them all to stop. You want the entire horde to stop? For how long? Until I command them otherwise. You're learning to talk like a queen. Not a queen. A Khaleesi. If my brother was given an army of Dothraki, could you conquer the Seven Kingdoms? The Dothraki have never crossed the narrow sea. They fear any water their horses can't drink. But if they did? King Robert is fool enough to meet them in open battle. But the men advising him are different. And you know these men? I fought beside them once. Long ago. Now Ned Stark wants my head. He drove me from my land. You sold slaves. Aye. Why? I'd no money and an expensive wife. Where is she now? In another place with another man. Given that Danny has been basically treated as a slave herself by her brother and by Drogo initially, it's easy to see why this mission of freeing all slaves becomes extremely important to her as her story progresses. But the lesson that she learns in a very hard manner is that one good act does not necessarily get returned to you in the same fashion. Betrayal, both hidden and direct, are lessons that Danny will be subjected to by both Miri Mazdor and Jorah Mormont later on. You want to assassinate a girl because the spider had a rumor. No rumor, my lord. The princess is with child. Based on whose information? Sir Jorah Mormont. He is serving as advisor to the Targaryens. Mormont, you bring us the whispers of a traitor half a world away and call it fact. Jorah Mormont's a slaver, not a traitor. Small difference, I know, to an honorable man. He broke the law, betrayed his family, fled our land. We commit murder on the word of this man. And if he's right, if she has a son, a Targaryen at the head of a Dothraki army. What then? The narrow sea still lies between us. 
Althea the Dothraki, the day they teach the horses to run on water. Do nothing. That's your wise advice. Do nothing till our enemies are on our shores. Jura, the Andal. The spider sends his greetings and his congratulations. A royal pardon. You can go home now. Paul. It would be a crime to drink a wine this rich without at least giving it time to breathe. Do as he says. As the princess commands. Sweet, isn't it? Can you smell the fruit, sir? Taste it, my lord. Tell me that that is not the finest wine that has ever touched your tongue. You first. Me? I'm afraid I am not worthy of the vintage. Besides, it is a poor wine merchant who would drink up his own wares. You will drink. I thought the Dothraki didn't believe in money. Gold to hire ships, princess. Ships to sail to Westeros. Jorah, make them stop. Khaleesi. You heard me. These men have shed blood for their cow. Now they claim their reward. Princess, you have a gentle heart. This is how it's always been. I do not have a gentle heart, sir. Who are you? I am named Miri Mazdur. I was the god's wife of this temple. Maegi. My mother was god's wife here before me. She taught me how to make healing smokes and ointments. All men are one flock, so my people believe. The great shepherd sent me to earth to heal his... Aseseke. Asemaigi zichar. Lamb or lion, his wound must be washed and sown, or it will fester. Tell me. What is there to tell? How did my son die? He never lived, my princess. The women say. What do the women say? They say the child was... Monstrous. Twisted. I pulled him up myself. He was scaled like a lizard. Blind, with leather wings like the wings of a bat. When I touched him, the skin fell from his bones. Inside, he was full of grave worms. I warned you that only death can pay for life. You knew the price. Where is Gold Drogo? Show him to me. Show me what I bought with my son's life. Why is he out here alone? He seems to like the warmth, Princess. He lives. You asked for life. You paid for life. This is not life. When will he be as he was? When the sun rises in the west, sets in the east. When the seas go dry, when the mountains blow in the wind, like leaves. You knew what I was buying, and you knew the price. It was wrong of them to burn my temple. It angered the great shepherd. This is not God's work. My child was innocent. Innocent? He would have been the stallion who mounts the world. Now he will burn no cities. Now his halasar will trample no nations into dust. I spoke for you. I saved you. Saved me? Three of those riders had already raped me before you saved me, girl. I saw my god's house burn. There where I had healed men and women, beyond counting. In the streets, I saw piles of heads. 
the head of a baker who makes my bread, the head of a young boy that I had cured of fever just three months past. So, tell me again exactly what it was that you saved. Your life. Why don't you take a look at your hal? Then you will see exactly what life is worth when all the rest has gone. Now, while Jorah has seemingly begun to believe in Danny, perhaps even falling in love with her, and of course choosing her over a chance to return home, he still has betrayed her, and that eventually will, of course, come back to haunt him. And Danny meets betrayal very harshly, with the one exception being Jorah's case. Sometimes, however, her principles lead her to extreme actions of justice. We need only look at the way she locks Zaro Zohandaxos and her handmaiden Doria away in a vault, crucifying the slave masters of Marine, or feeding them to the dragons to understand that about her. Where are the dragons? Will you betray her again, Jorah the Undo? Will you betray her again? Never. The thief you seek is with her now. I did not leave the comfort of my home to come to yours and be called a thief. No one is calling you a thief. Who is she to accuse us? Please, they're my children. I'm begging you. Begging us? It wasn't very long ago you were threatening us. Without me, the dragons will die. It will be for the best. The mother of dragons is in the right. She must be reunited with her babies. I will help you, Khaleesi. How? I will take you to the house of the undying, where I have put them. You have my dragons. When I learned you were coming to our city, I made an arrangement with the King of Karth. <laughs> he procured them for me. But there is no King of Karth. There is now. That was the other half of the arrangement. Nothing. Thank you, Zara Zoandoxos. Thank you for teaching me this lesson. I am King of Karth. I can help you now. Truly help you. We can take the Iron Throne. I'll bring you a thousand please, shares. Please, please, I beg you, please. All the dreams is within your reach. I beg you, please. Please, please. one on every mile marker between here and Marine. How many miles are there between here and Marine? 163, Your Grace. I'll tell our men to ride ahead and bury them. You don't need to see this. You will do no such thing. I will see each and every one of their faces. Remove her collar before you bury her. Remind me, Sir Jorah, how many children did the great masters nail to mileposts? 163, Kelly, see. Yes, that was it. Injustice with justice. I am so sorry, my queen. He was a good man. Barristan the Bold, they called him. He crossed a continent to serve me. He was a loyal friend. And he died in an alley. 
butchered by cowards who hide behind masks. We could pull back to the Pyramid District, secure it, and use it as a base from which to operate. Then, we clean the city out. Neighborhood by neighborhood, street by street, until the rats have nowhere left to hide. I prefer your earlier suggestion. Round up the leaders of each of Marine's great families and bring them to me. So we have many of the motivations for how Danny approaches problems. But of course, the biggest thing to happen to Danny and to happen to all of the world comes at the end of season one. The dragon eggs that are given to her by Illyrio are hatched in a ceremony of fire and blood. One interesting thing to think about is that while Illyrio seemed to be in support of Viserys regaining the throne, as we saw in the first episode, the eggs themselves were given to Daenerys. Now, did Illyrio think that Viserys would not last, and thus he thought them a more suitable gift for Daenerys? Did he perhaps not conceive that the eggs would ever be hatched, and thus the gift was merely a gesture that he perceived as thoughtful, yet somewhat empty from a practical sense? My own opinion leans me towards the latter reasoning than the first, but of course, if that is the case, then we can see Illyrio was simply wrong. For after most of the Dothraki warriors have abandoned Danny, she performs the ceremony of fire and blood that brings forth those dragons. As pondered in the Jon Snowcasts, I think there is a strong indication that the most powerful of blood magics seems to be tied to Targaryen blood itself. As would be indicated by the history and lore sections of the Blu-rays, it seems that Gendry, Stannis, Shireen, and now, of course, with the revelation of season six, John himself all have Targaryen blood within their veins. And of course, we see that Melisandre, the Red Woman, prefers a ceremony of fire when possible. This particular ceremony is one of fire as well. And just like I pondered if John's own death was a source of his resurrection in terms of blood for life, I have to wonder if Daenerys stepping into the fire itself was not a similar type of self-sacrifice. Though we've seen demonstrated in the show, and reminder, in the TV show only, that Danny seems to always be impervious to fire. But Melisandre testifies that Azor Ahai is born amidst smoke and salt. So one must ask, while Melisandre seeks Azor Ahai in Stannis Baratheon and then in Jon Snow, is Daenerys an actual Azor Ahai? Is there possibly more than one Azor Ahai? Because one could say that Danny is reborn from the fire as a leader amidst the smoke of the flames and the salt of her tears in regards to Drogo. And if Azor Ahai is considered to be this savior figure to help fight the long night, has Danny not become a savior to many slaves? And are her dragons and their fire possibly not the most effective weapon to be wielded against the white armies and the white walkers themselves? In addition, many of the R'hllor followers in Essos itself seem to think of Danny as their promised savior as well. After the long summer, darkness will fall heavy on the world. Stars will bleed. We need to stop her. The cold breath of winter will freeze the seas. Not now. And the dead shall rise in the north. It's written that a warrior will draw a burning sword from the fire. And that sword shall be Lightbringer. Stannis Baratheon, warrior of light. Your sword awaits you. Why is your stag on fire? 
The king has taken for his sigil the fiery heart of the Lord of Light. Ah. It must be this fire priestess we hear so much about. Mm, brother, now I understand why you found religion in your old age. Watch yourself, Renly. No, no, I'm relieved. I never really believed you were a fanatic. Charmless, rigid, a bore, yes, but, but not a godly man. You should kneel before your brother. He's the Lord's chosen. Born amidst salt and smoke. Born amidst salt and smoke? Is he a ham? The only red priest we had in King's Landing was Thoros of Mir. This one's much better looking. Stone men. Good luck stopping the spread of grayscale with prayer. You'd have better luck dancing away the plague. Gemo carinho, gitas, fuis velios, persomis iglitas. Daria, zaltrizzoti. We're going to meet the Savior. You should have told me. Who doesn't want to meet the Savior? The truth is, we need your help. We'd hope that we could somehow persuade you to... You don't need to persuade me. I came to help. Daenerys Stormborn is the one who was promised. From the fire, she was reborn to remake the world. Yes. She has freed the slaves from their chains and crucified the masters for their sins. She did, indeed. Her dragons are fire made flesh. A gift from the Lord of Light. But you heard all of this before, haven't you? On the Long Bridge of Atlantis. I will summon my most eloquent priests. They will spread the word. Daenerys has been sent to lead the people against the darkness in this war and in the great war still to come. That sounds most a excellent. A named Stannis Baratheon was anointed as the chosen one by one of your priestesses. He too had a glorious destiny. He attacked King's Landing and was soundly defeated by the man standing beside me. Last I'd heard, he'd been defeated again, this time at Winterfell. Everything is the Lord's will. Everything is the Lord's will. But men and women make mistakes. Even honest servants of the Lord. And you, an honest servant of the Lord? Why should I trust you to know any more than the priestess who counseled Stannis? My friend has a healthy skepticism of religion. But we are all loyal supporters of the Queen. Everyone is what they are and where they are for a reason. Terrible things happen for a reason. Take what happened to you, Lord Varys, when you were a child. If not for your mutilation at the hand of a second-rate sorcerer, you wouldn't be here, helping the Lord's Chosen bring his light into the world. Knowledge has made you powerful. But there's still so much you don't know. Do you remember what you heard that night? When the sorcerer tossed your parts in the fire? You heard a voice call out from the flames, do you remember? Should I tell you what the voice said? Should I tell you the name of the one who spoke? We serve the same queen. If you are her true friend, you have nothing to fear from me. I suppose there are a couple of other possibilities in regards to Azor Ahai. The identity could be the dragons themselves, or you can simply think of these as stories and not real. But whatever you conclude about that is up to you. The fact remains that Danny's connection with the dragons as children brings out another ferocity in her. And what of her child lost and its description? It almost seemed as if her stillborn child came out of the wound half a dragon itself. Whether you consider this a foreshadowing of her coming title as Mother of the Dragons, or you take the description literally and ponder that meaning, there is no denying the Mother-Dragon connection. 
which of course has also brought great trials upon Daenerys herself as we move into season two and beyond. Her dragons are sought by those who have greed within them, either seeing them as devices of power or devices of magic, and ultimately Daenerys needs to consider whether she even fears them slightly herself or must take measures to ensure the safety of her subjects against her own dragons. Like all mothers, there are points where she loses connection with her children, and just as any mother would hope, there are also times when her children come to her aid. But early on, she must remain their shield and their protector with the likes of Carthian wizards or the unsullied Master Krasnus. Have you ever seen a dragon? Dragon gone, Khaleesi. Everywhere? Even in the east? No dragon. Brave men kill them. It is known. It is known. A trader from Karth told me that dragons come from the moon. The moon? He told me the moon was an egg, Khaleesi. That once there were two moons in the sky, but one wandered too close to the sun and it cracked from the heat. Out of it poured a thousand thousand dragons and they drank the sun's fire. <laughs> moon is no egg. Moon is goddess, wife of sun. It is known. It is known. Have I said something funny, sir? Forgive me, Khaleesi, but your ancestor, Aegon the Conqueror, didn't seize six of the kingdoms because they were his right. He had no right to them. He seized them because he could. And because he had dragons. <sighs> well, having a few dragons makes things easier. You don't believe it. Have you ever seen a dragon, Khaleesi? I believe what my eyes and ears report. Drogo will have no use for dragon eggs in the Nightlands. Sell them. You can return to the free cities and live as a wealthy woman for all your days. They were not given to me to sell. Khaleesi, my queen. I vow to serve you, obey you, to die for you if need be. But let him go, Khaleesi. I know what you intend. Do not. I must. You don't understand. Don't ask me to stand aside as you climb on that pyre. I won't watch you burn. Is that what you fear? What did your brother say about them, Khaleesi? He said they ate meat. He didn't tell you what kind of meat. My brother didn't know anything about dragons. He didn't know anything about anything. When my dragons are grown, we will take back what was stolen from me and destroy those who have wronged me. We will lay waste to armies and burn cities to the ground. Turn us away, and we will burn you first. Ah, you are a true Targaryen. Dracarys. <laughs> He'll be able to feed himself from now on. When your dragons were born, our magic was born again. It is strongest in their presence, and they are strongest in yours. You will be with them. Through winter, summer, winter again. Tracaris. I'll give you one. You will win the throne with dragons, not slaves, Your Grace. Khaleesi, please. Three. Dragon. One. Two. One. Rovage. They want the biggest one. Done. Done. Go, 
You will release every slave in Yunkai. Every man, woman, and child shall be given as much food, clothing, and property as they can carry as payment for their years of servitude. Reject this gift, and I shall show you no mercy. You are mad. We are not Astapor or Karth. We are Yunkai. And we have powerful friends, friends who would take great pleasure in destroying you. Those who survive, we shall enslave once more. Perhaps we'll make a slave of you as well. You swore me safe conduct. I did. But my dragons made no promises. And you threatened their mother. He came from the sky. The black one. The winged shadow. He came from the sky and... My girl. My little girl. What was her name? Zyla, your grief. How old was she? Three. Three. Viserion? Rhaegal? We have to go home. Driven. Can you take me back to Marine? How far did you carry me? Drogon, we need to return. My people need me. You and your foreign friends will abandon the Great Pyramid and the city of Marine. The unsullied you stole from Krasny's Mona Kloss will remain to be sold again to the highest bidder. The translator you stole from Krasny's Mona Kloss will remain to be sold again to the highest bidder. And the dragons beneath the Great Pyramid will be slaughtered. We obviously didn't communicate clearly. We're here to discuss your surrender, not mine. I imagine it's difficult. Adjusting to the new reality. Your reign is over. My reign has just begun. While the biggest aspects to Danny's storyline are her quest for the Iron Throne and her relationship with dragons, let's go back to season two for just a moment. Despite the repetitive nature and drawn out of that storyline in Karth, there are important things that Danny learns in this season. First, dealing with the politics of the Karthine themselves, and also how her sense of entitlement is quickly dashed by the likes of the Thirteen and the Spice King. In addition, she continues to learn harsh lessons about who to trust, as indicated by Zaro and Doria. Where I come from, 
Guests are treated with respect, not insulted at the gates. Then perhaps you should return to where you come from. We wish you well. What are you doing? You promised to receive me. We have received you. Here we are, and here you are. If you do not let us in, all of us will die. Which we shall deeply regret. But Karth did not become the greatest city that ever was or will be by letting Dothraki savages through its gates. The girl threatens to burn our city to the ground and you would invite her in for a cup of wine? She is the mother of dragons. Do you expect her to watch her people starve without breathing fire? I believe we can allow a few Dothraki through our gates without dooming our city. After all, here I am, a savage from the Summer Isles, and Karth still stands. Our decision is final. Very well. I invoke Sumai. Did you see the dress Zara had made for you? They say he's the wealthiest man in Karth. It is known. He shouldn't make me wait. The Spice King is the second wealthiest man in Karth. He makes everyone wait. Of course, you could have avoided this embarrassment if you married the wealthiest man in Karth. I already have a husband. Khal Drogo is gone, Khaleesi. You are far too young to be a widow forever. And far too beautiful. And you are far too smart to think that I will succumb to flattery. I have traveled very far in my life. I met many women, and none that are immune to flattery. The mother of ah. dragons! Here he comes. So, my little princess, what is it you want? My birthright, the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. I fear I'm no better than a servant in this regard. I cannot give you what I do not have. I'm not asking you for the kingdoms. I'm asking you for ships. I need to cross the narrow sea. I need my ships as well. I use them, you see, to bring spices from one port to another. Whatever you grant me now will be repaid three times over when I retake the Iron Throne. Retake? Did you once sit on the Iron Throne? My father sat there before he was murdered. But if you did not sit on it yourself, would it not be correct to say, take the Iron Throne? I didn't come here to argue grammar. Of course not. You came to take my ships. You say I shall be repaid triple. I do not doubt your honesty or your intentions, but before you repay your debts, you must seize the Seven Kingdoms. Do you have an army? Not yet. You do not have an army. Do you have powerful allies in Westeros? There are many there that support my claim. When were you there last? I left when I was a baby. So, in truth, you have no allies. The people will rise to fight for their rightful queen when I return. Ah. Forgive me, little princess, but I cannot make an investment based on wishes and dreams. Now, if you'll pardon me. Do you know Illyrio Monpatis, Magistar of Pentos? Yes, we've met. A shrewd man. For my wedding, he gave me three petrified dragon eggs. He believed, the world believed, that the ages had turned them to stone. How many centuries had it been since dragons roamed the skies? But I dreamt that if I carried those eggs into a great fire, they would hatch. When I stepped into the fire, my own people thought I was mad. But when the fire burned out, I was unhurt. The mother of dragons. Do you understand? I'm no ordinary woman. My dreams come true. I admire your passion. But in business, I trust in logic, not passion. I'm sorry, little princess. I am not your little princess. I am Daenerys Stormborn of the blood of old Valyria, and I will take what is mine. With fire and blood, I will take it. Yes, my lady, but not with my ships. Daria. We can't find her. She must be dead too. I led my people out of the Red Waste and into the slaughterhouse. My place is by your side. I shouldn't have left you alone with these people. These people? 
They are not to be trusted. And who is to be trusted? Who are my people? The Targaryens. I only knew one, my brother, and he would have let a thousand men rape me if it had got him the crown. The Dothraki. Most of them turned on me the day that Khal Drogo fell from his horse. Your people are in Westeros. The people in Westeros don't know I'm alive. They will soon enough. And then what? They'll pray for my return, they'll wave dragon banners and shout my name. So my brother believes and he was a fool. You are not your brother. Trust me, Galisi. There it is. Trust me. And it's you I should trust, Sir Jorah. Only you. I don't need trust any longer. I don't want it and I don't have room for it. You were too young to be so. And you were too familiar. Forgive me, Galisi. No one can survive in this world without help. No one. Let me help you. Please. Tell me how. Find my dragons. I would like to share with you something that I just came to realize during my preparation for this particular podcast. And that is Doria was the one who said a trader from Karth told her that dragons came from the moon. So I ask, is it possible that the trader from Karth, since we know that Doria ultimately went to Zaro Zohan Doxos and helped him betray Danny, is he the trader from Karth that she learned this information about dragons from? In fact, we know that Doria loves dragons herself and seems resentful whenever Danny takes the dragons away from her. And we see her playing up Zaro as the Spice King. So all of the clues as to Doria's involvement in the taking of the dragons to the House of the Undying were there for us to see all along. But that isn't the only lesson, of course, that Danny learns in Karth. There's a lot more that she learns in Karth when she does go to the House of the Undying at the end of Season 2. While the scenes themselves translate poorly to an audio podcast, the visuals are important to address. First, we see an iron throne room seemingly in ruins and being blanketed by snow. Now, I know that some have thought it to be ash, but I see it as snow anyway, which works out for my interpretation. While we might not have much thought about this at the time that we saw it back in season two, other than to pose questions as to when it was coming or what it might mean, When we have Bran having a similar vision during his time finding and becoming the Three-Eyed Crow, we have to wonder about the inevitability of seeing this vision realized sometime in the future. To have one person envision it could be a trick of interpretation by that character, much in the same way that it seems that Melisandre has misread the fires before herself. But to have it confirmed by Bran makes the possibility much, much more real. And since I believe that the, quote, ink is written, just as the old three-eyed crow states, then I believe this universe that Game of Thrones is placed in to be a determinist universe. And what we are seeing is a determinist universe event. We will see it in the show. Maybe not with Bran or Danny being there themselves, but still an inescapable future for the Red Keep. But even as we have a confirmation between two different characters of this vision, the rest of Danny's visions may, in fact, be able to be interpreted in multiple ways. Her walking north of the wall seems to be an indication that she might, in fact, end up there someday, possibly to face the White Walkers. But her seeing Drogo and her son can be interpreted in a couple of different ways, at least. If she sees them there in this vision... Could that be an indication that once north of the wall, she might join her husband and her son in death? Or could we perhaps interpret this to be Pyat Pri's way of trying to distract Danny so that she won't go any further as far as seeking out her own dragons? Either way, we do see Danny rejecting the notion of staying with Drogo and her son. The indication of Pyat Pri tempting her makes this decision easy to understand. But if we are to take it more as Danny possibly dying north of the wall, 
What does her rejection mean in terms of that interpretation? And I'll leave those questions to answer for yourself. But after Daenerys gets her dragons from the House of the Undying and exacts her revenge on Zoro, Zohan, Doxos, and Doria, she leaves Karth with ships to carry her and the Dothraki that remain, but she's lost many of her numbers to desertion initially, several others to the Red Waste or the slaughtering of them at Zaros, and now, for the first time, she has to confront that very issue that the Spice King placed in front of her, getting an army if she is to have any hope of getting back to Westeros and ruling. Jorah, who once again sold people as slaves and was forced to flee for his crimes, promotes the use of an unsullied as her army, and so they go to Astapor. And it is there where Daenerys meets her last in-person connection with her own Targaryen family, and that is Ser Barristan Selmy, who saves Daenerys from an attempt by the warlocks of Karth to exact vengeance on her for what happened at the House of the Undying. He becomes part of her Queen's Guard and does his best to counsel her during her liberation of Astapor, Yunkai, and Marine. I owe you my life, sir. The honor is mine. My queen. You know this man? I know him. As one of the greatest fighters the Seven Kingdoms has ever seen. And as the Lord Commander of Robert Baratheon's Kingsguard. King Robert is dead. I've been searching for you, Daenerys Stormborn, to ask your forgiveness. I was sworn to protect your family. I failed them. I am Barrison Selby, King's Guard to your father. Allow me to join your Queen's Guard, and I will not fail you again. There is much more to say about Barristan Selmy, of course, but we will explore more of Daenerys' personal relationships and political relationships in the next podcast. From the point of Astapor onward, however, it becomes clear to us that Danny now has shifted her emphasis from Conqueror of Westeros to Conqueror of Slaver's Bay and slavery itself, and the ideas that have economically suited that region for so long. Again, born out of her own personal experience in season one, she spends a great deal of time liberating those who cannot free themselves and has a great success as a conqueror. The question that remains, however, is what kind of ruler will she be? And we'll discuss that in our next podcast, How to Train Your Daenerys, Part 2. Hope you enjoyed part one of the Daenerys podcast. As many of you know, Daenerys is actually not one of my favorite characters in Game of Thrones. I've often kind of seen her storyline as placeholding much more than moving. The last couple of seasons, I think, well, at very least the last season, has changed my mind about that somewhat. Now that we're finally starting to move towards an endgame, it becomes important for Daenerys to be part of that for reasons I hope that we discussed in this podcast about the possibility of her being an Azor high figure, about her presentation, which we'll learn in the next podcast, of what kind of kingdoms that she sees with different people ruling things. The fact that she is a woman in power and has overcome such diversity is also appealing about her in the first few seasons, but again, not my favorite. Nonetheless, I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about the Daenerys uh, podcast or any of the character podcasts that we've done so far. Axel Foley is about to tell you how to contact me. We'll see you next week with Daenerys Part 2. This is Matt. Take care. You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com 
Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash winterfellpod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, or by calling the listener line, 314-669-1840. Yeah.